If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. Testing. Okay, it's working this time. Second time's the charm. Welcome back. We are here. Yeah, we had technical difficulties round one so i'm we're so back. glad that we caught it though because that could have been detrimental i also know nobody else can see this but i like whatever this little hand thing is you're doing now when you talk you've got like an italian vibe <laughs> it's a pizza my hand talking is getting out of control how are we doing today we're matching <laughs> Oh my gosh, we are so matching. We didn't even plan this. No, I feel like I need to take a cute picture of us. Because, yeah, we showed up pink tie-dye, clear rim glasses. Even our buns are kind of matching, honestly. I know. <laughs> so cute. So cute. This is a recording outfit for sure. It's pure comfort. I am sipping on a bubbly today. Thank you to Sandy for the bubbly. Um, it looks like a peach it is, one. Yeah. It's delicious. No bueno. No, no bueno. bueno. Oh yeah, you can't you can't it's drink my, them. It's you not my can't thing. Have the peach ones. More for me. Nope. No fun for me. Well, actually, I mean, I don't care. I brought something completely different today for us. I want. To, to be a little lighter hearted, I guess. Good I just, like that. I like a light hearted yeah. episode. Well, from you. the universe is just really dark right now, and I wanted to bring something a little bit fluffier. Not that any of the content that we talk about is nice or fluffy, but this is like a nice cushion to the blow that is our usual week to week. Okay, so we're not like pillow top, but like maybe we put a towel down over the sand yeah, kind 100%. of thing. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So we're gonna, I don't know, this might end up being kind of like a mini series going forward. We'll see. But I wanted to do an episode where we kind of talk about a different theory or like a topic in criminology. So today we're going to talk about serial killers and specifically like a serial killer typing theory. And we're also going to talk about how the FBI profiles serial killers and just give like a few examples. We're going to have a little chit chat. It's going to be a little bit more casual in here. Do we get to talk about my boy John Douglas a lot? If you want. No, I know. <laughs> I knew that. Fun no. fact. When I started my job. Uh, we had to answer like five questions that were just to get a feel of how I guess we communicated, wrote, things like that. And one of them is if you could have dinner with anyone and why. 
oh, and by the way, you're timed. You have like 15 minutes to answer these questions. That's it. So it really is just like right off your head. So I picked him because I was just, I'd like to pick his brain. He's picked everyone else's. Why not? Well, I left a lot of like holes in this for, because I knew that you would have a lot to say. Like a lot of just random knowledge off the top of your head. Okay, I should go get my books. So I just, you know, wrote what I wrote and then the rest I kind of left up to our chit chat. Yeah. Discussion. A little bit more chatty. Love it. Yeah, I'm game. So we'll talk about uh, first what defines a serial killer. The term serial killer was coined by FBI profile Robert Ressler. Wow, say that five times fast, honestly. Um, in the 70s, Ressler. I could do you? it. I think I just did. <laughs> just like whisper it under your breath. So, yeah, 100%. I'm going to see if I can pick it up in the recording. I hear that. Um, so, Wrestler worked on cases like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Richard Chase. He interviewed John Wayne Gacy and Charles Manson. And so, when it comes to identifying a serial killer as such, the FBI looks for a minimum number of three victims. Uh, others argue that two or more with a cooling off period can be uh, considered serial killing or serial murder, but the FBI specifically asks for a minimum of three. Almost everyone agrees, as we know, that serial killing or serial homicide is when victims are killed on separate occasions with a cooling off period between the murders. So this is what specifically differentiates, like, serial killing from mass murders or spree killing. But there have been arguments that because of the, like, arbitrary guidelines of a, quote, cooling off period, like, what is a cooling off period? What defines a a cooling off? Yeah, exactly. That spree... Is it a couple hours? Is it a couple days? Is it a couple weeks? Like, is it years? Because we see every variation of that. I'm already into Yeah, this. exactly. So, like, spree killing and serial killing, I guess, is what they're saying is that they could be defined in one definition if the definition of a cooling off period changes. Yeah, I mean, a spree killing, if someone has to travel to their next location as part of their spree, so to speak... That then yes, that could be considered a cooling off, but they're still in progress of the same act. So I don't. Think, I was gonna yeah, say we'll get no, to I it. No, I was I'm gonna sure. say I agree. Not. I mean, I just again, I left a lot of this open just for us to talk about. So I kind of agree with okay, okay. spree okay. killing that like the intent to commit more acts is there, even if there's like yeah. say hours in between because they have to travel. Whereas serial killing the cooling off period is specifically like they're intending not to commit more crimes during that period it doesn't always work out that way but the intention is that they're taking a little break yeah and a spree killing a lot of the time is somebody walks in somewhere and kills a mass variation of people race i mean age gender anything whereas a serial killer usually has a type yeah. as well or some type of M.O. as to why they're doing it or a profile of someone that they want, so to speak. So it's not like they could just turn around and that person's there. They may need to look yeah. for someone or find someone that fits the criteria of what they're looking yeah. for. So the FBI's yeah. National Center for the in- analysis wow that almost was really difficult coming out of my mouth um 
The FBI's National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crime held a serial murder symposium in 2005, which comprised subject matter experts, including law enforcement officials involved with serial killer cases, mental health professionals, investigative journalists uh, who report on the crimes. They created a definition for serial murder that sort of wiped out serial uh, spree killing, sorry, and combined them. The definition is... Uh, the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender or offenders in separate events. So this would separate serial killing from mass murder because mass murder, as we know, requires multiple murders in a single event. So mass murder is one event. Yeah. Whereas because serial killing and spree killing are separate events, it's just that like cooling off kind of definition they decided that it would be one so that was back in 2005 but we still hear the term spree killing i don't necessarily yeah i don't disagree with their reasoning for it it's they've just essentially broadened the term which is fair i guess it just made it a little bit more... Yeah, we'll still always break the Yeah, it just I makes think. it a little bit more clear-cut in terms of, like, an official definition, but you still hear this term spree and serial killing used separately, so... Mm-hmm. However you define serial killing, whether it's two or more victims or three victims, etc., the FBI classifies serial killers into three main categories... So they are organized, disorganized, and mixed. And if you've watched Mindhunters, you already know a lot of this because this is all covered in Mindhunters. And also, where is our next season at? Come on, guys. Although, you know what? I'm going to be patient. I understand the show takes a very long time to make. And people need breaks. Uh, Can we not relocate closer to, you know, the regular consistent running staff and crews homes maybe so it'd be more feasible (laughs) or just tell us that one's coming and we'll be patient i also want to know when the next stranger things is coming it's just been said like coming soon for so long notify me (laughs) (laughs) okay so organized disorganized and mixed the general ideas uh they're exactly what they sound like So, without getting into it too heavily, organized killers plan their murders, their escapes, um, they plan their murders and they escape very carefully. So, without getting into it too heavily, organized killers plan their murders and they escape very carefully. They are highly intelligent, difficult to track down. Disorganized killers, uh, on the other hand, are difficult to catch, but for the exact opposite reason. They're incredibly unpredictable. Their crimes are most often crimes of opportunity and they're spontaneous. And they often make no attempt to hide the body. The FBI also has a category that they call mixed. And this category is classified as a mixture of both organized and disorganized behavior. Um, An example, obviously, but an example of this, like, uh, the attack may be organized, but it ends up being interpreted as or deteriorating into chaos. This can happen due to immaturity, like if the uh, offender is quite young or if they're using drugs or alcohol or have any mental illness. Their state of mind can alter how organized they're actually able to be in the planning and execution. So, like, the intent to be organized might be there, but the ability when the execution is just chaotic. To execute. Yeah. Yeah. So, Richard Ramirez is actually okay. an example of what the FBI considers a mixed category serial killer. He left... Poor attempts at hiding fingerprints. He left footprints. His killings were completely at random. He let victims see his faces. 
Um, but his <laughs> faces. See, his face saw their faces. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> talk today. I'm going to leave that one in because it's just been a struggle bus over here. Well, I'm going to leave that one in too then. <laughs> his crimes, though, they weren't completely disorganized and not thought out at all. So his mental status and use of drugs is said to be a contributing factor as to why he ended up falling into the mixed category and was unable to stay organized in his crimes. Okay, that makes sense, actually. At first, I rolled my eyes at the mixed category because I'm like, don't tell me you have organized, disorganized, and then mixed. That seems too just, I don't know, it should be one or the other, you know? But now mixed yeah. makes sense. So I get it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other examples. I We're going into like a completely different, I just kind of wanted to set the stage with how the FBI classifies them before we Toast. go into like, I'm sure there's way more examples and like of those types, but Richard Ramirez is a, um, like a textbook example of a mixed category serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, dare. he's horrible. That was actually one of my least favorite documentaries in terms of, like, how the horrible he is. Yeah, like, I just was like, this is, yeah. he's so garbage. Not that they're not all horrible. Yeah, just, he was a yeah, rare breed. Just, oh, my gosh. Um, Every case has something, though, that, like, oh, he's the worst. No, he's true. the worst. No, he's the worst. They're all the worst. So. So the FBI classification system yeah. largely focuses on the killer's method rather than their motivation behind the crime. So the procedure or like the how rather than the why. In 1998, yep. a... Their process. Yes. In 1998, a federal law was passed in the U.S. and it included a definition to set forth criteria for when the FBI could assist local law enforcement with a case potentially related to serial murder. So... This definition was not intended as a definition for serial killing itself, but as a definition of when the FBI can be called in to help in a case where they think serial murder is involved. <laughs> That's a lot to get out of my mouth. Okay. But. No, no, no. I'm th- I get what you mean, though. Like, police have to have done kind of this checklist or met this criteria to be like, okay, now we can call in the big guns and get yeah. some extra help yeah. kind of thing. Again, true crime for dummies over here. I got you guys. I will dumb the shit out of what oh, Olivia thank God, says. Half the time, I don't even know what I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding. Preach. <laughs> uh, the definition it defines serial killing as three or more killings having common characteristics, such as to suggest the reasonable possibility the crimes were committed by the same actor or actors. Okay. So one person. Basically, there has to be enough evidence that it was or the, the same, same person people. that committed the same uh, three or more yeah. crimes. They have to have, like, common... So, for example, in the last case, we knew the poop wrapped in plastic and the jugs yes. of piss connected the guy. That is our smoking Yeah, also, gun. like, the weird war lists and asking guys. for a ride into town he really just left like a myriad of reasons but the poop and the piss are what people Correct. are going to remember very true <laughs> uh okay serial killing is a worldwide phenomena however the united states produces 76 percent of the world's total serial killers when they actually make up only five percent of the world's population Criminologists mm-hmm. and psychologists have tried over and over to classify serial killers. The truth is that no two killers are alike. Each one is an individual, unique case study. There are obviously similar characteristics to each case. However, to try and explain motivation 
Um, this is where we get into another classification system. So this is a commonly known typing system for serial killers amongst the criminology community. It is the theory by Holmes, Holmes, and Deberger from 1998. Um, but people will more than likely know it as Holmes and Deberger. Criminologists okay. Ronald Holmes, Stephen Holmes, and James Deberger group serial killers into four main types with a few different subgroups or subtypes. They base their classification system okay. on motive as opposed to the FBI's basis, which is in method. So the Okay. Sub- which I personally think that is uh, more important. Yeah, it helps to break them down into, well, types. Well, and to be proactive, yeah. right? If we don't know that, how do we get ahead of them? Absolutely. To try to figure out what they're going to yeah. do next. Yeah. The, yeah, the downfall yeah, yeah. with a motivated type theory like this one is that it doesn't really help explain the identity of the killer at all. Like, it doesn't really help profile them in any way other than like understanding the motivation behind what they're doing Mm -hmm. and then also like we just talked about like human beings aren't really cookie cutter they're incredibly complex nobody's ever going to fit into like one definition but it's still a great way to kind of break them down and you know dig into the why a little bit further yeah okay so the four main types, according to this theory, are the visionary killer, the mission-oriented killer, the hedonistic killer, and the thrill killer. So we will break these down by group and subgroup. So visionary, visionary Ready. killer. Uh, these types of killers are visionary. Every time I hear the word visionary, it reminds me of the song, I believe it's Without Me by Eminem, where he's like, a visionary, a vision is scary, a thought of revolution, balloon the airways, revel, that part, you know that oh, part? do I ever. I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. So that's what it reminded me of it. Every time someone uses the word visionary, that is exactly what pops into my head. Eminem on this podcast. I'm actually impressed that I got, I hope those words were they right. They are right, and I'm impressed that we've made it to episode 39 before doing that. Okay. Me too, actually. <laughs> okay, visionary killers. Oh, I'm saying it, that's fine. These types of killers are said to suffer from a break with reality and see visions or hear voices from demons, angels, the devil, or God telling them to kill certain people. They kill at the command of these hallucinated... Uh, hallucinated okay. voices or visions that they experience. Most of these types of killers are suffering from some form of psychosis or other mental illness like schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about a lot of the time how many serial killers or even people who show um, like antisocial behavior grow up in dysfunctional or disturbed households or childhoods. Visionary com- killers, on the other mm-hmm. hand, could grow up in a completely normal household because their killing spree is related to some form of like mental break or psychotic break and so they're difficult to apprehend because there's no real clear method or motive to their crime and so they're called visionary yes killers so they often pick up their victims randomly in a logic that only makes sense to them in whatever state of mind it is that they're in um visionary killers pretty much exclusively fall into the fbi disorganized category because of the mental disorder driving their offenses 
An example of a visionary type killer is Herbert Mullen, who killed 13 people between 1972 and 73 as a blood sacrifice. He believed that a massive earthquake would strike California if nature didn't receive this sacrifice, and he said that he heard voices in his head warning him of the event and that they commanded him to kill. Yeah, it's crazy. It also, that's actually what I was looking up. I wanted to see an example of one to, like, in my perspective, see. And it also says Son of Sam. Good old David well, Berkowitz. Well, I was going to say, David Berkowitz would fall into this category until he admitted that the dog was made up. Well, but, yeah. like, prior to that, yeah. this is the category that yeah. he falls into. After that, he's just a lying sex. Totally. Yeah, for profiling purposes, this is yeah. what they would have seen him as i'm assuming during the process until he yeah spilt mm -hmm. the beans super idiot next okay. so mission oriented killer is the second type these are the types of killers that believe it's their mission to rid the community of a certain group that they've deemed unworthy or undesirable so their choices are usually influenced by past experiences or current beliefs, and they decide that the group is unworthy and that the world would be better off without them. This uh, includes, but is not limited to, sex workers, children, old people, racial targeting, LGBTQ+, homeless people, the list goes on and on. Um, now, this isn't to be confused with um, other types of serial killers who maybe target these groups of people because they feel they're more vulnerable or, like, easier victim targets. This is, like, specifically targeting these people because they belong to these groups. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. The mission-oriented yeah. killers are considered to be highly organized. They are usually intelligent, professional yes. individuals. They have steady employment, no previous signs of antisocial behavior, and they tend to kill their victims quickly, um, meaning there are, like, no attempts to prolong the crime or get any form of pleasure from it. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That makes sense because that's not... The part of it yeah, that's important. The crime scene will usually not contain signs of torture or like anything of that nature. And an example of a weapon typically used in this kind of killing would be a gun because it's fast and not personal in nature. You can do it from far away. And it's distant yeah. and cold. Yeah, they like yeah. to deliberately put distance between themselves and the victim. An example of a mission oriented killer is Joseph Paul Franklin. He targeted black and Jewish people between 1977 and 1980. His belief was that race mixing was a crime against God. And so because of this, his focus was mostly on interracial couples. In June of 1980, he used a rifle to kill Arthur Smothers and Kathleen McCoola, who were a black man and a white woman. On the morning of the shooting, he waited for them while hiding in the woods before shooting them. So thereby creating distance and a quick kill. Yeah. Wow. I've dated men of many different races, so I would have been out a long time ago if I ran into yeah. this guy. He's just basically a huge piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's an understatement. So, type three is a hedonistic killer, and hedonistic killers are really where we get into kind of the more well-known serial killers. Hedonistic means doing something in the pursuit of pleasure. 
Uh, hedonistic killers are broken down okay. into three subtypes. So they are comfort killers, lust killers, and thrill killers. For comfort killers and lust killers, the murder itself is only a means to an end. The murder itself is much less important than the acts that, like, accompany or follow the killing. For the thrill killer, however... Like taking someone, like, out of rotation for other people to, like, date or be, like, with? Yeah, or what do you I mean? more like, mean, like, um... Like, how is a comfort killer? We're gonna what get there. I'm gonna break them down, but... Comfort and lust killers okay. is more like they have the the events that that lead up to the murder are more important to them than actually like the murder and what happens after. Whereas for a thrill mm. killer, the desire to kill is like central to the motive. It's yeah. what it does. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, I knew that. Yeah, one, no, we're so. we're gonna unpack okay. no, that. No, that makes sense. Worry. Comfort killer is one of the oldest recognized and most basic type of serial killers. They kill for profit and gain or for comfort. These types of killers are widely recognized throughout history. The victims of a comfort killer are pretty frequently known to them. They are carefully chosen for the profit, so for the money or other material items that they possess that their death will bring the killer. Murders are carefully planned and bodies are carefully disposed of or placed to be found. Uh, Mutilation of a corpse for psychopathological reasons is not common with these types of killings and any mm-hmm. mutilation to the body would be to do with disposal. This type of serial killer or okay. killer in general is actually very common with females. Um, comfort killers are not always serial killers. So something like an earlier episode that we did on the poisoning of John Ruffalo by his wife, Ruby Ann, she could potentially fit into this yeah. because she was murdering her spouse for money. Or an insurance payout. Um, killing a sibling for an inheritance gain could fall under this profile. Comfort killers, um, they are not always serial killers, but if they do become serial killers in the pursuit of profits, they're able to wait a lengthy period of time between murders. And this is because killing isn't actually an impulse or something they particularly enjoy, but more so a means to an end. Like, they have to do it to obtain their goal. Yeah. Dorothy Helen Puente was a female comfort killer. She was born January 9th, 1929 in Redlands, California and ran a boarding house in Sacramento, California. She would kill her residents and cash their social security checks of elderly and mentally disabled guests. And her motive, I know, her motive for killing, of course, were plain and simply financial gain. Isn't that crazy? Uh, when people take advantage of the elderly, it just... I know. <sighs> Bothers me a lot. She was making more than $5,000 a month from the victims that she killed. And, like, the checks of theirs that she cashed. Do you know how many it was in total? So, police uh, began investigating. Seven bodies were discovered, but she was... So, she was charged with nine murders, but only convicted of three. So, nine. She was sentenced to two life sentences. She died on March 27th, 2011 in prison of natural causes at 82 years old. Wow. At least she's gone. Taxpayers aren't keeping her alive anymore. Again, if people die of natural causes in jail, great. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah, that's that's an example of a comfort killer. Somebody that's specifically just killing for money or gain of some sort of their own. Okay. Uh, the next subtype in the hedonistic killer category is the lust killer. 
so these, in my opinion, are mm-hmm. the scary monsters. Not that they're not all scary monsters, but they're highly organized uh, for the most part until they aren't anymore. Edmund Kemper and Jerry Brudos are yeah. examples of lust killers. And to explain the psychology, scary yeah, motherfuckers. To explain the psychology of these types of killers, I am going to quote Ed Kemper. Gross. He is one of my like air quote favorites, though, because I think he's quite fascinating. I just think the actor who plays him in Mindhunters, who also is in my other favorite show, Umbrella Academy, is effing phenomenal. Like, he does such an insanely good job of playing him. I don't have anything to say on Ed Kemper himself, but um, I don't even know. What is that actor's name? Now I feel the need to shout him out. Hold on. Um, He was on My Favorite Murder. They had him as a guest at a show once. That's super cool. It's Cameron uh, Britton. He's just phenomenal. I think he's great. He is. So, to quote Ed Kemper, I'm sorry to sound so cold about this, but what I needed to have was a particular experience with a person. And to possess them in the way I wanted to, I had to evict them from their human bodies. So basically what he's saying was he doesn't want to hurt you, but like you being alive is getting in the way of. It's an inconvenience to him that your blood is. Yeah, it's not doing him any favors. So. Oops. Hold on. I'm going to grab my book. I want it. Okay, I'm back. And for anyone wondering, I was pulling out, which I love this book if I'm trying to get like some inspo for even like a documentary to watch, or if I see a documentary and I want to know what someone did, um, the killer book of serial killers. It's just got a nice little like few pages about each of the bad guys. There's a there's some little quizzes, questionnaires, oh. little whodunits. Yeah, well, it's quite fun. For reference. Uh, but it's all about While we're talking killers. about books, um, today's episode I did use the book Serial Killers, The Method and Madness of Monsters. Um, that's by Peter Vronsky. I also used Evil Serial Killers by El Chimino and Serial Killers Up Close and Personal by Christopher Barry D. I will say, as someone who's not a big reader, I really enjoy these kind of, like mini crash story books just when i'm trying to get a little bit of information to start a case uh because i am not the fastest reader so trying to get really into a book before i decide if something's worth it to me isn't really so well ed ed camper Um, sorry oh no i was just saying i was like i think it's funny because they also put ed kemper quotes in on Mm -hmm. the book too well, the reason that everywhere uses Ed Kemper quotes is because it's, like, so shocking that things like that actually come out of a human being's mouth. Like, I think, but so yes, eloquent. so eloquently, Ugh. so straight to That's the point. That's the frustrating so, part. And very, like, like, he just told you what type of donut he ate. You know what I mean? I, and that's why they're used so exactly. often. Because they're not, like these crazy rash comments they're like very much you're just talking to somebody that you met at work yes it's so Mm -hmm. clinical and transactional Mm -hmm. what he's um this quote though it says i remember there was actually a sexual thrill you hear that little pop and pull of their heads 
and hold their heads up by their hair, wiping their heads off. Their body sits there. That'd get me off. And it's just so plain and simple. And all he's talking about is ripping off Barbie's yep. heads. He did read audiobooks. Yeah. He still does. That's wild to me. I think all that kind of stuff will always be wild to me. And Ed? But why not put the people to work yeah, in maybe, prison? Maybe as well. Just sitting there, audiobooks seems like a pretty logical way to use them. He uh, he also had a lot of power control element to his killings, which we will talk about in a little bit because power control is a completely mm-hmm. separate type of serial killer. Hey friends, just a quick reminder, if you like hanging out and you want to see more of us, please visit our social media platforms. You can find us at Podcast by Proxy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have a business podcast or a story that you want featured on our show we would love to hear it email us at podcastbyproxy at gmail.com katie and i are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us if you want to support the show even more please don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. growing the show means we will be able to invest more time and money into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing right now to donate to the podcast one time or on a monthly basis, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast by proxy. Now let's get back to it. Hedonistic killers and power and control killers often um, like overlap in a lot of ways, but they are mistaken. Not for mistaken, another. but kind of like we said, like people don't fall into one cookie cutter definition. So it's pretty common that like a hedonistic no. type killer will also have power control elements to their crimes so less killers often fantasize about okay. the crimes years before they actually commit their first murder and the fantasy becomes a deep-seated psychological need um of course as we've seen once this happens this part of the less killer completely takes over their life um they often have a particular victim type in mind that includes fetish elements a certain type of clothing footwear mm-hmm. color of hair body shape etc um, the list goes on, but less killers' fetishes are usually very specific rather than just being like they like blondes. Yeah. Like, they're usually very, they like red shoes or like. Yeah. In a lot of ways, they can, or they can be uh, almost replicating someone specific. So the characteristics in their mind are very unique. Yeah. Uh, so it's something they've seen before or experienced before, yeah. too. So it could be specific to a person. So yeah, yeah, very specific. And sex is the focal point for a lust killer. Even after they've killed the victim, they often conduct acts such as cannibalism, mm-hmm. necrophilia, dismemberment. Um, an interesting note about lust killers as well is that they go out of the way to both hunt for and dispose of their victims. So unlike some other types of killers, yeah. uh, lust killers will actually choose different sites to dump the bodies of their victims to throw police off. So they are very, uh, they, they put a lot of effort into, quote-unquote, the chase and also the disposal. This type of killer will often return to the scene of the crime as well to, quote, relive the murder or to ga- engage in necrophilia or mutilation. Yeah. Um, we've seen this in many examples. A classic hedonistic lust killer is Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey's quoted saying, quote, uh, quote lust played a big part in it, uh, the murders. Control and lust. Once it happened the first time, it just seemed like it had control of my life from there on in. The killing was just a means to an end. That was the least satisfactory part. I didn't enjoy doing that. That's why I tried to create living zombies. 
yada yada we know how the rest of that goes but it's right in the quote the killing itself was just a means to an end he didn't actually enjoy it um which is the complete opposite of the you can tell that anyway just by his actions like he just left bodies beside his bed in his bedroom like he was just like oh i'll have to get rid of that later like it once they bodies it's just yeah dennis nielsen i would say falls into that category as well that we just covered yeah i think a lot of the people we talk about fall into this category when we talk about serial killers to be honest this category and the next category so the thrill killer um israel keys the zodiac killer the hillside stranglers all examples of thrill killers Though some people argue that Kenneth Bianchi also could fall into like a lust type killer because his crimes specifically were quite sexually motivated, but he was a lot more like aggressive. So I, I don't know. I see them more discussed under thrill killers, but anyways, hedonistic thrill killers specifically get pleasure from the process of killing or the hunt of the kill. So not the killing itself, but the acts that lead up to the murder. They get an adrenaline rush from hunting their victim or seeing the torture in their face. And this very often leads to extended acts of torture because the process of torturing the victim and seeing the terror in their face is the part that satisfies them so much. So if uh, you're a morbid podcast fan, I'm sure that you're thinking the toy box killer because that's one of the big episodes that they did that screams this to me. Yeah, and gets brought up a lot again, yeah. I find. When you bring up Morbid, that episode comes up a horrific. lot. But these types of killers, they drag the torture face on and on and on to get as much pleasure out of the process. They get off specifically from the pain and suffering their victims go through as they die. Uh, necrophilia or any form of post-mortem mutilation is not a common characteristic of the thrill killer because they're addicted to stalking and tracking their prey, but they are... N- like not actually into killing or being really close or like intimate with the body after the fact. Hmm. So like once the, yeah, like once the victim is dead, they pretty much lose interest. They dispose of the body in a way that would lead investigators away from the actual killing scene. And most of the time, hedonistic thrill killers are strangers of their victim, um, though they will have stalked them for like quite a long period of time. So, yeah, the Zodiac Killer is talked about a lot in Thrill Killers. Some people might be thinking Ted Bundy, but Ted Bundy wasn't really primarily motivated by sex or the thrill of the hunt. He was a lot more motivated by power and control, which we will talk about in a little bit. There's definitely an element of power that comes with a Thrill Killer, but less so than power control killers. Um, This type of killer is more about the excitement of the events leading up to the killing. Thrill Killers, of course... They're considered highly organized, and they're often able to abstain from killing for longer periods of time than a lust killer. Yeah, in the words of the Zodiac Killer, quote, killing people is so much fun. It's even better than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal. To kill gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. Cool. Although, I mean, I love the term getting your rock off. (laughs) I hate it in this context. (laughs) Well, I hate it in this context. Yeah. So, I mean, long story short, thrill killing is about the hunt, basically. The thrill that comes with the hunt. Yes. It's the primal instinct in it. Yeah. So the last uh, 
type of serial killer in the Holmes, Holmes, and D burger theory is the power and control killer. And this, yeah, this is actually the most common of all the serial killers. And like I said, the power control kind of gets interchanged or like overlapped with um, hedonistic lust and thrill killers as well. The main pleasure in this type of criminals crimes i guess is rooted in the power and control they exert over their victims so they enjoy having control and being a master at what they do most of the time these types of killers are experiencing feelings of inadequacy and powerless and are afraid of rejection this type of killer is actually very close in characteristics to the thrill killer like i said but the main difference is that causing pain and suffering is not the primary motive the controlling and dominating the victim is the motive as it gives them a sense of empowerment yeah it's like it's important to like understand that yeah the power and control in this type like that they assert over their victim starts before the victim even realizes it's happening the killer will manipulate or seduce the victim i.e ted bundy with his fake ass arm cast like do something to kind of that's the type of behavior you see a lot in this and they very often do have a victim type. It's less fetishy than the lust killer, but there is normally a pattern to the type of victim that this type, kind of killer chooses. Unlike the thrill killer, the power okay. and control killer does not lose interest in the victim after they're dead. Um, Ted Bundy, for example, has been said to perform necrophilia on his victims, and the control aspect is often what drives this. Power and control killers will keep corpses near them um, or, like, somewhere close by that they can revisit. John Wayne Gacy is a great example of this type of killer as well. These types of killers are often calm and patient and tend to mostly be organized. The power and control killer uses sexual assault as a tool to exert power and control over their victims. It's the act of dominating someone and taking away their choice that gives them a high rather than it being done for sexual pleasure. Um, This type of killer is also known to keep trophies from their victims as it acts as a badge or token representing the life that they took. Um, So they would keep take like a piece of jewelry from the victim, give it to their spouse or partner without telling them where it came just to like watch them wear it every day. We've seen that before, too. And it's like that whole power control aspect that gives them a little rush. Weird. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. We all, again, we talked about they won't necessarily fit into a specific category fully. And um, we've already kind of went back and forth on where we think some people could fall. This, I personally feel like Dennis Nielsen, for example, could potentially fall into both lust and power and control. Arthur John Shawcross, who we've also covered, could fit into more than one of these categories, in mm-hmm. my opinion. These are really just tools for investigators to use to attempt to determine the motivations behind a killer everyone out there this is where i need your help guy had i believe it was a total of three women in a hole in his basement with a cover over it that's all i'm gonna say because once i know who it is i'll cover the case but anyone please go to this show's post and comment who i'm thinking of i don't know because someone's screaming it out loud right now going you yeah. flip an idiot it's 100 percent. yeah i yeah. mean that's pretty much it it's a bit, bit of a shorter episode for me today i just wanted something a little bit um lighter hearted and still keeping it informational educational yeah, I mean... can i always count on you to teach me something <laughs> 
I mean, it made me want to dive into a lot of these again. I enjoy this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I like these. I hope everyone else does because I would love to do more educational episodes, especially because you do have such a background in this and you do understand it. So you're, you are able to explain it. And I like that because there are certain things that just are completely out of left field for dummies. I mean, like myself. That's fun for me too. To, to And I think a lot of the time we listen to true crime cases and just like assume we know what they're talking about so it's kind of nice to break down what those things actually mean this is just like a bit different style oh, I agree. today if you have if you think can think of any other serial killers that fall into these categories or you want to like say where you think somebody falls just comment on the post on instagram it'll be up um i am also working on the finally the amber alert case so that'll be my next one is going to be the case that started amber alerts and a bit more about that ambler alerts ambler alerts well i don't know if everyone else can hear frankie whining that's our cue to wrap up but uh i think so yeah, she's essentially like our studio manager at this point. She's like, okay, guys, time's up. Let's wrap it. That's essentially what our pets are. I'm just going to start pretending they're our crew. Everyone has a role in this puzzle. They sure do. Well, thank you for joining us for a little bit of a shorter, different type episode from our podcast. Be sure yes. to find us on social media. Leave us a rating and review. And we will see you next week for Katie's episode. Yeah, and again, if you know who the guy with the three girls in the hole is, hit me up. Even private message us. I don't care. It's going to be on my brain now, and I'm purposely not going to look it up because I'm excited to see who gets it first. Maybe we'll send you a sticker or something. I was going to say, if you message us and tell us who it is, I'm not even going to look it up because I feel like I could, but this is more fun. Uh, We will shout you out on the next episode, and I'll send you a sticker. Love it. Bye. Thanks, guys. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>